Hey guys, it's Emma and Shannon and welcome back to our podcast, She's an Engineer. In this episode, we are going to talk about how to engineer the perfect cup of tea. So we're going to start with the history of tea, different brewing methods, different types of teas, and the perfect temperature to brew all of those different types of teas. So I guess I'll pass it off to Emma to start with some of the history behind tea. Yeah, so hopefully you're grabbing a cup of tea. I have a cup of, I think it's like green tea that I have right now, but recently, actually today, this is not sponsored by the way, but I mm-hmm. had the the brown sugar boba, like it's like frozen boba from Trader Joe's and it's actually very oh. good. I think it's gluten-free and vegan, so... Hmm. For everyone listening, if you're interested, I suggest you try it. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's very good. It's a, it's a good way of, like, saving money and making your boba at home if you want to make some boba at home. Because, like, a pack, basically, a pack of, like, four cups costs, like, the same or less than, like, one cup of boba from, like, a bubble tea shop. So, mm-hmm. With that aside, I'm going to start off with, like, the origin of tea or the history of tea. So people say that it was started in China around 2750 BC. And the reason that a lot of people wanted to drink tea at this time was because they found that it had a lot of medicinal properties. And so a old Chinese legend basically says that an emperor um, by the name of Shen Nung was sitting in the shade of a wild tea tree he was boiling some drinking water and basically there was this like breeze or wind that blew some of the leaves from this tea tree into the pot and then he liked the flavor of the water. Like he thought it tasted really good and then after he experimented he found it to have medicinal properties and urged all the Chinese people to then cultivate the plant and brew basically tea for the benefit of his his entire nation and so now he's like known as the legendary father of tea this old chinese emperor Mm -hmm. so i guess like a little bit after that we'll go to um like ad instead of bc so basically in the early days the leaves are picked like they were they went from basically being directly picked to then being boiled in water. So right now the tea that you drink is basically like roasted, like it's processed before you drink it. But in these days, it was basically like if you took a leaf off a tree, but it was like a leaf off like a tea tree. And then you just put it and boiled it in hot water. And this was used mostly for medicine and it had like a really bitter taste. So it's not really for like enjoyable consumption you know it was more for Mm -hmm. medicinal purposes but people did drink it as like a pleasurable drink if people like you know bitter drinks over time I I mean people do like bitter drinks people love coffee people love tea and they're both kind of bitter drinks and basically it took like around 3,000 years for tea to actually become a very popular drink throughout China or throughout the Chinese empire and During the Tang Dynasty, which is 600 to 900 AD, 
basically that's when China started imposing um, a tea tax. So Mm. kind of like how Great Britain had a tea tax in America um, in like the 1700s, right? The 1700s, Mm -hmm. the 1600s. In China, they also had a tea tax starting in the Tang Dynasty. So in the Tang Dynasty, the leaves were not really like roasted or like processed as much. But then during the Ming Dynasty, which was from 1368 to 1644, which is more towards like the modern days, that's when steamed and dried loose tea leaves became more popular. So like people would steam them and then dry them and then you know what a dried leaf looks like basically and then they can then brew it like that. But the problem with this type of tea leaf was that it didn't really travel well. So if you think about it, if you're like steaming something and you're drying something, it's not like going to last that long. It doesn't really have a long shelf life. So in order to protect their tea leaves and to be able to trade their tea with other people, the Chinese merchants started to roast their leaves to prevent them from getting moldy and rotting and being becoming unusable. Mm-hmm. So basically how they did this was they left them in the air to oxidize um, and it produced black tea. So it's called black tea in English, right? But in Chinese, it's actually called hong cha, which is hong is red. So it's actually called like red tea in Chinese. But like in America, it's like what we would think of as like, you know, the traditional like black tea. Mm-hmm. And this is the main tea that was manufactured for export. But at that time, the Chinese also continued to mostly drink the green tea, which is not not left outside to oxidize. It's basically like steamed and dried. Mm. So then basically they uh, in Europe. The Dutch were the first ones to drink tea. So going from China to Europe. So I think China was the one who introduced it to the Europeans by basically trading routes. And the Dutch started shipping it in 1610 and they introduced it to Britain around 1650, a few years after coffee had actually reached England and people started to drink tea in coffee houses because that's who sold the tea basically to the people of England and in 1657 basically like seven years after it was introduced Thomas Garway which was an English proprietor had the idea of offering tea to the public and that's when it became basically the most popular drink in all of Great Britain far outpacing coffee, wine, liquors, any other type of drink. But unfortunately for the government, because this tea came in and they didn't have like a tax on tea, they didn't really, they weren't really making as much on the other drinks that had um, fallen out of favor, like, like wines and liquors and things like that, that had like a larger tax. So they started to impose a tax on tea. But it wasn't until, like, 
the early 1700s that it also became a common beverage for the upper and middle classes. So that's when all of these people took to the entirety of, I guess, Great Britain took to drinking tea. So as we all probably know from history class, the tea tax also applied to America when settlers um, from Great Britain came over um, and settled in colonies in America. And that was because, like, basically, like, all, almost all other taxes on goods that were bound for America, like other types of food, grains, other things that were being shipped over there, shipped over here, I guess I'll say, um, basically all the taxes on those had been repealed, but they still kept the tax on tea, which is why in 1772, they were starting to be like revolts, basically. They wanted Great Britain to repeal also the three pence per pound of tea tax. The reason that Great Britain did so was because it they were trying to make money to offset the bankruptcy of British of the British East India Company that mm-hmm. was basically like supplying all of the tea to the colonies. Mm-hmm. So that is when, you know, they tried to block shipments of tea from arriving in Philly and New York. And that's also when in like 1773, the Sons of Liberty basically had the Boston Tea Party um, and emptied all of the 342 large chests of tea into the harbor and basically started the Revolutionary War, which Mm -hmm. is very interesting that tea could be something that could start like a huge war. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, later on, you know, we got American independence and everything. So. (laughs) Thanks, tea. Yeah. Thanks, tea. But going back to like the importance of tea, um, during the 19th century, tea basically became the primary and essential part of British social life. And tea parties and events were basically organized for all possible occasions and became a symbol of elegance and prosperity. So if you haven't been to an afternoon tea, I highly recommend it's a very unique experience and it helps you brush up on your etiquette skills. So yes, that's very interesting. I feel like I need to go to an afternoon tea now, maybe next time I'm in England. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So although the first tea was discovered in China, currently there are many other countries that now contribute to the overall tea harvest. The first tea used in England originated in China, and it wasn't until the 19th century that tea started to spread to Formosa and the an indigenous tea was discovered in Assam. In 1839, the first Indian tea was sold in London, and around 1191, Japanese Zen priests bought tea seed back from studying abroad in China and began cultivating them in the southernmost part of Japan. In Africa, the first tea was planted in Cape in 1687, but did not progress until the latter part of the 19th century. In addition, in the 20th century, the tea started to spread across Europe, notably in Kenya, Tanzania, and Malawi. 
American specialty tea has quadrupled in the years between 1993 and 2008, and it's now worth um, $6.8 billion a year. Similar to the trend of coffee and specialty wines, this increase was partially due to consumers who chose to trade up. Specialty tea houses and retailers also started to pop up during that period, and I know they've become more popular in more recent day, too. Yes. The history of tea dates back almost 5,000 years itself, and there are now over 3,000 different variations of tea. The most widely consumed beverage in the world has both a historical and cultural importance that cannot be rivaled. I actually didn't know that tea was the most widely consumed beverage in the world. I would have guessed coffee. Me too, but I think now that I'm thinking of it, there are a lot more countries that drink more tea than coffee, I think. That is true, yeah. It's very cultural to a lot mm-hmm. of like European and Asian countries, so I can see it being more widely accepted than coffee. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that you've learned a little bit about the history of tea, we're actually going to talk about the plant that tea comes from and how different types of teas are produced. So I didn't know this before we started researching for this episode, but actually all types of true tea originate from the same plant called the Camellia sinensis. I will put that in the description because I'm sure I didn't pronounce that correctly. So as we said before, this plant originated in southern China and has been cultivated and consumed for many years. There are actually two main varietals of Camellia sinensis. There is the variation sinensis, which is grown primarily and found primarily in China and other East Asian countries and is typically more mild and mellow in character. And the second variation is the variation Asamaka, which grows primarily in India and is generally hardier and more robust. And I think that's more like the tea that's being used for like chai and stuff. Okay. In Mm -hmm. India. Mm -hmm. All of the teas, most of the teas that you've heard of, aside from like fruit teas, or flower teas, you know, like like hibiscus tea or something that's made from the hibiscus plant, but or the hibiscus flower. Mm-hmm. Um, most teas that you think of, like black tea, green tea, white tea, oolong tea, puer tea, and purple tea, are made from the Camellia sinensis tea plant. But the difference between all of them is that they have different harvesting and processing methods. Some of the teas are steamed, some are pan-fried, some are oxidized, and some are tightly rolled into balls, some are roughly chopped, some are left to air dry. So, and they also are harvested at different times to make different types of tea. So some of them are harvested in early spring, some are harvested in the summer, and some are harvested in the fall. Mm -hmm. So... I will let Shannon start off with how black tea is produced. Many people are familiar with black tea. You can find it in many name brand tea bags at the grocery store like Lipton. But popular breakfast blends of black tea include English breakfast and Irish breakfast. 
Black teas tend to be relatively high in caffeine with about half as much caffeine as a cup of coffee. And they tend to brew up a dark coppery color and usually have a stronger, more robust flavor than other types of tea. So how black tea is made, typically the leaves are harvested, wilted, and then lightly crushed. Some types of black tea, such as Irish breakfast, are even broken up into smaller pieces before using a method known as a crush, tear, curl, or CTC. The leaves are then fully oxidized, which turns them the blackish-brown color and then brewed for the perfect cup of black tea. Great. Yeah, green tea is also another tea that's also made from the same plant as black tea. Green tea is often brewed light green or yellow, and they tend to be more mild in taste and have a lighter body. Um, And they basically contain less caffeine, so around half as much caffeine as black tea, so about one quarter of a cup of coffee. Um, Many types include gunpowder, jasmine, um, and Moroccan mint. So green tea is basically harvested, the leaves are harvested, and then immediately either steam or pan fried um, to stop the oxidation process because you want to keep the leaves that like light green sort of yellowy color. You don't want them to basically oxidize at all or become any type of brown or black color. Mm-hmm. And stopping this oxidation almost immediately after harvest is what gives it the bright green color and the light, like basically almost grassy taste. I think that's what some people would describe it as. Mm -hmm. They're then rolled or pressed into their final shape and then dried and then it can be brewed into a nice cup of green tea. Yeah. And then we have white tea, which is a delicate, minimally processed tea that is highly sought after by connoisseurs and enjoyed by experts and novices alike. I've never actually had a cup of white tea. That's interesting. White tea has a light body and a mild flavor with a crisp, clean finish. White teas tend to be very low in caffeine, although some silver tip teas may be slightly higher in caffeine. Popular white teas include... Bashan, silver tip, and white peony. So how white tea is made, typically white tea is minimally processed before being dried and packaged. In some cases, as with silver tip and silver needle teas, white tea is harvested from the very first tips and buds of a tea plant before they open to full form leaves. Other white teas, like white peony, are harvested after the leaves unfurl and grow, In both cases, white teas experience minimal amounts of oxidation. I've also, I don't think I've ever had white tea either, so it'll Mm -hmm. be definitely something that I will have to try. So the next tea that we're going to be talking about is oolong tea. So oolong tea is basically like a partially oxidized tea. So it's like in between, I would say black and, and green tea in terms of oxidation and typically It can either be brewed a pale yellow or it can be brewed to a rich amber. It depends on how how heavily oxidized it is. Um, And it can range from around 10% to 80% oxidation. So oolong is one of those things that you can 
reinfuse many times so like you don't have to like throw out your tea leaves right after you brew a cup of tea to really enjoy oolong you can you you can reinfuse them multiple times and you can get a different flavor for each cup of tea that you have i didn't know that yeah i will say i think oolong tea is my favorite type of tea Mm -hmm. so yeah i like it too Yeah, it's so good. Okay, so how oolong tea is made, basically, they're grown from special varietals of the the tea plant, basically, the camellia sinensis plant that are cultivated for many years to basically impart unique flavors to the tea. Um, They're, when they're harvested, they're wilted, and then they undergo partial oxidation. So, you know, depending on the type of oolong tea, if you want it to be only like 10% oxidation, then you only oxidize them for a short period of time. Or if you want them like 80% oxidized, then they might go undergo oxidation for a much longer period of time, almost to the level of a black tea, which is like 100% oxidized. Um, And then some of these are then shaped by hand into small, tightly rolled balls, and then they're dried and packaged for you to brew a cup of tea. Nice. And then we have pu'er tea, which is an aged, partially fermented tea similar to black tea in character. Pu'er teas brew up in an inky brown-black color and have a full body with a rich, earthy, and deeply satisfying taste. These teas are fairly high in caffeine and contain about the same amount of caffeine as black tea, half of that of a cup of coffee. Pura teas uh, are initially processed in a similar way to green tea. Leaves are harvested, steamed, or pan-fried to halt oxidation, and then shaped and dried. After the leaves are dried, they undergo a fermentation process. So Sheng Pur is produced using a traditional method where tea leaves are aged using a longer and more gradual process. Um, Shou Pur is produced using a modern accelerated fermentation method. Both types of Pur are often aged for several years as the rich and earthy flavors of tea often improve over time. And the Pur teas that many people drink have been aged for about three years. Yes. Um, And the next type of tea that we're going to be talking about is purple tea, which is relatively new. And I don't think I've ever had purple tea. Um, It's only been commercially available for like a few years. So basically, this is produced from a rare purple leaved tea plant that was found growing wild in the Assam region of India. Right now, purple teas are primarily produced in Kenya in Africa. They tend to have a light body and mellow flavor. They're low in caffeine and they're high in antioxidants. So how purple tea is usually made, it's usually produced similar to oolong teas. They're harvested, wilted, and then partially oxidized before being shaped and dried into like balls or, Mm -hmm. you know, other forms. And when they're brewed, they brew reddish purple because of the purple quality of their leaves. They're just, Mm. I I would say it sounds like 
that they are like oolong teas, but like purple in color. And I'm sure with a different, different flavor because it's a different varietal of, of the tea mm-hmm. plant. Hmm. Okay. And then lastly, we have matcha. And matcha is produced from special tea plants that are shaded for at least three weeks prior to harvest. And the shading process increases the chlorophyll in the plants, which gives them a deep emerald green color. It also increases the caffeine and L-theanine present in the tea and contributes to the unique flavor. These leaves are steamed immediately after harvest in order to halt the oxidation process. When the leaves are shaped and dried, they look like typical green tea. To make matcha, these leaves are stone ground into a very fine powder. So where matcha is from? So powdered green tea was first produced in China during the Tang Dynasty. In the 12th century, Chinese monks brought both Buddhism and matcha to Japan. Hmm. The ritualized use of matcha by Japanese monks grew quickly, and by the 15th century, its popularity had spread to Japan's upper class. Over centuries, an intricate tea ceremony surrounding matcha was developed. Today, matcha is primarily associated with Japan and has a rich history and cultural significance within the country. Yeah, I've never been to like a traditional Japanese matcha ceremony, but ceremonial Mm -hmm. matcha does taste good. I will (laughs) say that. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've finished talking about the different types of tea, we're going to be talking about... I guess like the ideal temperatures for you to brew your tea at because each type of tea has a different tea temperature that is most ideal. So it's really important to actually brew your teas at the proper temperature or else you might not get the best flavor from your tea. So if the tea, if the water is too hot, um, you might burn the tea leaves, which are fairly delicate and that might give your tea a very unpleasant bitter flavor and if you use I I think that's like pretty much similar to like coffee and if you use water that's not hot enough you might not really infuse your water with the actual flavor of the tea and you might get just get a weak less flavorful cup of tea So basically, black tea is most ideal at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, We're using Fahrenheit, so sorry to all of those who use Celsius. Green tea is typically brewed at 175 to 180 degrees Fahrenheit, similar to white tea. Oolong tea is brewed at 195 degrees Fahrenheit. Pu'er tea is brewed similarly to black tea at 212, as are herbal tea and rooibos tea. And purple tea is similar to the green tea and white tea in that it is brewed at 175 to 180 degrees. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this seems to make sense because a lot of the teas that are brewed at similar temperatures are processed in similar ways. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, more oxidized. Yes, and so there are different brew times for each tea. Um, So typically, if you're using like one to two teaspoons of tea and brewing at the temperature that we just talked about, black tea, oolong tea, herbal tea, and pu'er tea all should be brewed for around three to five minutes to get the most ideal flavor. 
Um, green tea should be brewed at, from one to three minutes for the most ideal flavor, and white tea should be brewed from three to four minutes for your best flavor. Mm-hmm. And then we have the iced teas, which this is very appropriate because I've been on an unsweet iced tea kick this summer because it's been so hot. So there's two pretty common methods for brewing iced tea. You can brew the tea hot and let it cool down, or you can do cold brew. So for the cold brew tea, you simply let the leaves unfurl naturally in cold water and then strain and pour. So the minimum time for cold brew tea is letting it brew for about four hours so that the flavor can infuse. So you could also steep it overnight too. Um, It's nearly impossible to overbrew a batch. And this method showcases a tea's inherent sweetness in the case of many green teas. It's also a good choice for white teas or oolongs. So for a quicker brewing method, you can use the hot concentrate method. And this is where you steep tea leaves for several minutes in half the amount of water you'd normally use, and then immediately dilute with an equal volume of ice or cold water. This method can produce a stronger tasting tea than what you'd get by slowly chilling a hot pitcher of tea in your refrigerator. Um, And it yields a richer brew with a heavier body, so it's great for black teas, which benefit from the full extraction power of boiling water or any herbal teas. I also wanted to add in here, so something maybe similar to the cold brew is sun tea. So this is where you put your tea bags in a pitcher and you put that pitcher or container in a window or where it can get sunlight for about three to five hours. Um, and then you wait till it reaches your desired strength and remove it and put it in your refrigerator. And I recently, one of my friends made sun tea and gave us a whole bunch of it and it was really good. (laughs) Oh, I will definitely have to try that. I have never tried that method before. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So matcha, so we're going to talk about basically like how to brew hot tea, but first we'll start with matcha because... Matcha is a little bit different because it comes to you in um, a powdered form. So matcha, basically you need like a lot of people get like those bamboo whisks and they get a bowl. um, But you don't necessarily like need all of those components to make a cup of matcha for yourself at home. So Mm -hmm. basically you need to heat your spring or filtered water and then you take your matcha powder And basically start by adding like a few drops of hot water and then you mix it into a paste with like a spoon or a bamboo whisk or whatever you're using to mix it with. And then you add more hot water to and then stir and then you basically keep doing this until it reaches like whatever you want the taste to be of the matcha, like whatever strength you want. Um, And then your matcha is ready to drink so you can use this just drink it as is. You can mix it with lemonade. I've done that before and it's pretty good. Oh, mm-hmm. You can make a matcha latte. Um, you can do all of those things. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay so now we're going to talk a little bit more about the other ways to brew hot tea which are usually tea leaves. We're not really going to go into tea bags because those are pretty much self-explanatory. You boil water and you pour it over the tea bag. Mm-hmm. 
So there are four, I guess, more like traditional ways to brew tea leaves. Um, the first, which is called Gongfu style tea, it basically means like brewing tea with skill, I would say. Mm. I, I think mm-hmm. that's what it means. Um, so this is basically the traditional Chinese tea ceremony, which I think I've only done once when I was on study abroad, which was really interesting. I thought it was really, really cool. So basically you get like a, a bigger amount, like a more concentrated amount of tea leaves, and then you brew them basically in the tea cups that you're like drinking out of. You're brewing them into these... You're brewing them in these small vessels for a very short period of time, and usually they're steeped over 10 times. So the tea leaves are reused over 10 times, and that's like the whole point of the ceremony is so you can taste the difference um, for every cup you have. Because of course, as you keep brewing it, um, it's going to become, I guess, lighter in flavor. Mm-hmm. And then the second type of brewing hot tea is the Western style. And this one's pretty simple. You just use the tea leaves and brew them in one big teapot. And I assume you you have a strainer on the end of your teapot to keep the tea from entering your cup, I think. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm just making sure. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, and that one you just, I guess you just pour them into the teacups and yes. drink as is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the third way is the grandpa style, which I've never tried, but sounds really interesting. Um, basically, you take like a big cup, obviously one that is, that can hold heat. Um, mm-hmm. You basically like dump the tea leaves in. Um, no strainer just put it into the cup without a strainer just loose like that cover it with hot water and then like just let it just let it sit there until it's like your desired flavor and then don't dump out the tea leaves when you're drinking it and then when it gets to like a lower level of hot water you basically just pour in more hot water and then you keep drinking it until I guess you decide that you're finished okay interesting Yeah. So the last method we have is boiling your tea. And this is the most ancient way of making tea. And this is where you boil the tea leaves in the water. And then you typically strain it and pour it into your teacup. So also for boiling your tea, there's also tea boiling ceremonies that can last as long as the Gung Fu tea ceremonies or even longer. Usually they last up to three hours, and as the boiling method gradually extracts more from the tea leaves, it's possible to enjoy them for a longer time. And when you're using the boiling method, the tea reaches its best taste about after about an hour of the tea ceremony. Poor and oolongs, um, as well as white teas, can withstand a boil and are commonly enjoyed this way. Black teas and green teas, on the other hand, tend to become too astringent when boiled. So the boiling method is not recommended for those. I guess that's all for our episode. And oh, wait, let's do one last question in here. And how about we both say our favorite types of teas or our top couple favorite types of teas? And Emma, I'll let you go first. Okay, so I would say my top favorite hot tea 
because I have different favorites for like hot teas and cold yeah. teas. Mm-hmm. So I really like oolong tea and jasmine tea. So I think oolong mm-hmm. is my favorite and then jasmine is my second favorite for hot teas. But I really like drinking black teas um, cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. So for cold, I really like unsweet black tea or sun tea. That's also good, unsweetened. And then for hot teas, I like Moroccan mint tea or any type of mint green tea and also oolong. Nice. We'll have to participate in a tea ceremony sometime. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, we hope you guys learned a lot from this episode. I know I did. And if you ha- if you want to answer our poll saying what your favorite type of tea is, either hot or cold or both, I'll put a poll in the Spotify um, description. I don't I, I actually don't know how you get to the polls, but there will be a poll linked to this episode. So mm-hmm. look out yeah, for thanks. that. <laughs> yeah, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.